go to the book of Judges, chapter number 6. Judges, chapter number 6. And we're going to look at a few things. Just keep your Bibles open to Judges, chapter 6, as we endeavor to look at the Word of God this morning. Amen. And I'm excited about this Word this morning. And I want you to um, open your heart. And I know sometimes it's easy to become distracted. Very easy. Um, You know, not everybody pays attention, but I'm asking you to open your heart. I'm asking you to receive from the Holy Spirit and uh, ask the Holy Spirit this morning, what do you want me to hear that can be transformative in my life? How many would do that this morning? Just, Holy Spirit, is there something that you want to say to me that can be transformative in my life? Because sometimes I think that we can hear a sermon and leave the church and unchanged. That's not my prayer today. My prayer is, is that you would be changed, but in order for you to do that, you have to open your heart and ask the question, what do you want me to hear, Holy Spirit, that can be transformative in my heart and my life, that I can look like Jesus? Everybody say, I want to look like Jesus. That's what it's all about. Everything. My behavior, my actions, attitude, my words, all of it should represent Jesus. And so let's, let's, let's do that. All right, let's go to Judges chapter 6. And I want to look at uh, the story of Gideon this morning. The story of Gideon. And the title of my sermon this morning is Less is More. Less is More. Less is More. Shout that out with me. Less is More. Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, sometimes having less. Come on, guys, help the preacher out. Look to your neighbor and say, sometimes having less is actually more. Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray that you would open up our ears, you would open up our hearts, that we would hear your word today. We pray, Lord, that we would be changed and transformed by your word as we receive the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And everyone shouted a great big amen. Most people associate blessing by what is added to their life. Did you ever notice that? Most people associate blessings to what is added to their lives. The more that we get, the more blessed that we feel. The more stuff that we have, the more we think that God has blessed us. A few years ago, I'm sure that you were aware, a few years ago, there was this popular sermon and book that was written called The Prayer of Jabez. How many remembers that? The prayer of Jabez said in 1 Chronicles 4 and verse 10, Jabez prayed this prayer, Bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Now there's nothing wrong with that in its proper context. But I want you to see what I'm trying to say here. That most people associate the blessing of God to what is added to their life. The more we get, the more blessed we feel. Bless me indeed, so my territory will be increased. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we don't feel blessed when subtraction happens to our life, do we? I have never heard anybody say this. Lord, thank you for downsizing me. I've never heard anybody get up in a church service and say, you know what, I just want to testify that God decreased my salary, God took my job away. We don't hear that, do we? 
You always hear testimonies. I want to thank God He gave me a pay raise. God did this. God, We are always thanking God for addition in our life. And somehow we think addition equals blessing. Now that can. That can. But the scripture is also clear that addition sometimes happens by subtraction. It is not necessary the more that you have it, that really counts. It's less is more. We praise God for what is added to our life, but God is saying, listen, sometimes in the journey, I subtract things from your life. Now let me ask you a question this morning, and let me challenge your thinking. Can addition happen by subtraction? Can addition happen by subtraction? Well, probably not in really real math, but in God's economy it does. If God is going to take you higher, if there is going to be a new level and a new season in your life, then you're going to have to realize that sometimes God subtracts things. Sometimes God reduces things. You see, the story of Gideon is a, an example, an exa uh, excellent example about how victory can be achieved by having less. Less is more. Now I want you to listen to me, church. You cannot be too small for God to use, but you can be too big for God to use. And let me say that again. You cannot be too small for God to use. No matter how small or insignificant you feel, God can use you, but you can be too big for God to use. I'm going to say it one more time. I want you to get it in your spirit. You cannot be too small for God to use, but you can be too big for God to use. You see, we want to praise God for all the things that's added to our life, but in God's economy, sometimes God works by taking away, by subtracting in God's economy. You see, in God's economy, progress is not made by addition. Progress is made by subtraction. You cannot be too small for God to use, but you can be too big for God to use. You see, this story, the story of Gideon, happens in the book of Judges. And if you know anything about the book of Judges, the book of Judges is a book of patterns and cycles. It describes the people of God praying to God. Then the Lord hears. Then the Lord sends a leader, a deliverer, which is a judge. And then that judge or leader uh, gets the victory for them or leads them into victory. They have a celebration and then they fall right back into sin. That is the cycle in the book of Judges. They pray to God because they're under oppression. The enemy has put them under oppression. The Lord hears from heaven. The Lord sends a leader. That leader leads them into victory. And after the victory and after the celebration, the people forget what God has done. And since they forget what God has done, they go back to sin. They go back to sin. And let me say that is a pattern of repeat. And then, let me ask this question. Is there a pattern of repeat in your life? Is there things that's cycling in your life that maybe needs to be changed? Maybe it's reoccurring every year. And maybe it's a pattern. Maybe it's like the book of Judges and you need to come to a place in your life where you stop the pattern and you stop the cycle. And how was the cycle broken? They remembered what God did. And when they remembered what God did, they broke the cycle of sin. They broke the cycle of oppression. 
But the moment they forgot what God did, they went right back into the cycle. They prayed to God because they were oppressed. The Lord hears from heaven. The Lord sends a deliverer. That deliverer leads them into victory. They get victory. There's a celebration. And then they forget what God has done and they go back into the sin again. And that is the story. That's the context of what's taking place here. Gideon is a deliverer. Gideon is a judge that God is going to anoint and appoint to lead the people in victory against the Midianites. The people of God, Israel, are under strong oppression under the Midianites. God had a plan and God was going to raise up a man by the name of Gideon. The Bible says, look at it, uh, uh, Judges chapter 6 and verse number 11. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. And just look at it. The angel of the Lord appeared to him. Verse, go to verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now this is Gideon. Gideon is afraid. According to verse number 11, verse number 11, he is sitting at a, he is threshing wheat at a wine press. Now, that is not significant to you unless you understand something. Here is Gideon. The people of God is under oppression. The people of God are praying for deliverance. The people of God are under oppression by the Midianites. And God says, I got a plan. I'm going to send Gideon. And the Bible says Gideon was afraid. He is threshing wheat at the wine press. He's fearful. He's hiding from the Midianites. Now why in the world would God choose a fearful man to deliver his people? Now, I'm not the smartest person, but... I don't think that you thresh wheat at a wine press. Wine press and the threshing floor for wheat is two separate things. But you know what you do when you're fearful? When you're fearful, fear makes you do things you normally wouldn't do. Fear makes your thinking clogged up. When you're fearful, you don't think right. When you're fearful, you say things you don't want to say. When you're fearful, you go to places where you don't want to go. He is fearful. He's hiding from the Midianites. He is threshing wheat at a wine press. That don't make sense. This, this, this man is fearful. He's, he's, he's hiding from the Midianites. He's a scaredy cat. But I want to let you know that God uses scaredy cats. I said God uses scaredy cats. And you know what happens here? This is, this is so powerful. Here is Gideon hiding from the Midianites, threshing wheat at a wine press. He's, that doesn't even make sense. Fear makes you do things you normally wouldn't do. His thinking is not right. He's hiding from him. And God comes to Gideon and says to Gideon in verse number 12, Judges 6, 12, he says, Almighty man of valor. Now, Ladies and gentlemen, would you agree with the pastor that Gideon is not demonstrating the characteristics of a mighty man? Would you agree with me? But here God comes to Gideon and says, you are a mighty man of valor. In other words, he is fearful and God speaks faith into his fear. God speaks faith into his fear. And sometimes we can't receive what God wants to say to us because we are fixated at the position that we're in in life. We can't receive the words of faith from God because we're so fixated in the moment. 
And God saw in Gideon something that Gideon didn't see in himself. God saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't see in himself. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to let you know that God sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. Here, Gideon is a scaredy cat. Gideon is afraid. Gideon is fearful. And God says, you're my mighty man of valor. And you know what I hear the Holy Spirit saying? He is saying to all these fearful people this morning, if you're fearful, He is saying, get up and be my mighty man and be my mighty woman of God. Get up and let me use you. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you can't judge the book by a chapter. You can't judge the story because of one scene. You can't judge the paragraph because of one sentence. Sometimes we have bad days. Sometimes we have bad moments. Sometimes we are fearful. Sometimes we do want to give up. Sometimes we are threshing wheat at a wine press. We're doing things that don't even make sense. And in all of that, God still believes in us. Hallelujah. In all of that, God still believes in us. And you know what happens? God speaks faith to Gideon. You're my mighty man of valor. And you know what happens when people have faith in themselves or when somebody has faith in them? They begin to do things. They begin to do exploits that they normally wouldn't have done. Because you know what Gideon begins to do? After God says to him, God says, you're my mighty man of valor. Your identity is found in me. Your identity is not found in your weaponry because you can't fight Gideon. Your your identity is not found in the number of your army because you don't have very many. Your identity and power is found in me. And so here is Gideon. God speaks to him and says, you're my mighty man of valor. And here Gideon becomes empowered by the Spirit And the Bible says, I love this, Judges 6.28. Judges 6.28, you know what Gideon does? Verse 28, and the men of the city arose in the morning, and there was the altar of Baal torn down, the wooden images, and besides them was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. Verse number 29, look at this. So they said to one another, who has done this? And when they inquired, they asked and said, Gideon had done this. What did Gideon do? Gideon tore down the altars of Baal. Gideon tore down the wooden images of false gods. He wasn't that type of man when he was hiding from the Midianites. But you see what God did? He saw a fearful man and he spoke faith unto his fear. And he rose up and said, you know what I'm going to do? He believes in me. And if he believes in me, that's all that matters. And he tore down the altars of Baal. You see, that's what faith does. Faith empowers you to do the impossible. Gideon would not have done the impossible if he operated in fear. If Gideon would have operated in fear, he would have never done the impossible, but God spoke faith in his fear, and when he spoke faith in his fear, Gideon rose up and tore down the altars of Baal. Hallelujah. Some of you feel fearful this morning, but in the name of Jesus, I break the spirit of fear off of you, and I speak the word of God into you, and I command you to rise up from where you are and do exploits for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. He would have never, he would have never tore down the altars of Baal. 
as long as he operated in fear. But God saw something in Gideon he didn't see in himself. Let's look at Gideon's position. Gideon's position was plainly. Now, I don't have time to read all the scriptures, so I just want you to see this. Gideon's position was he was up against the enemy. The Midianites had 135,000 in their army. And guess how many Gideon had? 32,000. Now, let's just look at this. Everybody shout, 135,000? Come on, say with me, 135,000? Versus 32,000. So here, Gideon's position, he's up against the wall here. The enemy has 135,000 coming against him, and he's full of faith now. He's tore down the altars of Baal. He's empowered by God, but yet he's, he's up against an obstacle. 135,000. He only has 32,000 in the Israelite army. Let me say this. God was getting ready to flip the lid here on Gideon. Because Gideon is already kind of concerned. Pastor David, I only got 32,000. They have 135, but that's all right. God believes in me. And God then comes along and says, well, you know, Gideon, you're going to have to reduce your number. Because not everybody in the army is going to fight for you. Not everybody in the present is really present. And not everybody around you is really with you. People's hearts leave before their feet leave. You see what I'm saying? Gideon was in a, up against a battle here. 135,000 versus 32,000. And God says, you have too many. Look at it. Judges 7 verse 2. Judges 7 verse 2. Judges chapter 7 verse 2. Look at this. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are what? Everybody shout, too many. Too many for me. And the Bible says, to give to the Midianites into their hands, least Israel, go back to verse 2 please, verse 2. Least Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. What was God doing? God was saying, listen, I'm going to reduce your army to a point where you're going to have to come to the end of yourself and realize it wasn't you that had anything to do with it. It was only God, and only God's going to get the glory for it. Can I hear an amen? Do you know why God reduces you? Do you know why God takes things away sometimes? Do you know why less is more? Because God is saying, in the end, if it was your ability and your skill, you would get the glory. So sometimes i got to demonstrate that in your weakness, my power is made manifested. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Gideon, reduce your army. <laughs> Gideon was like, Lord, I know you think I'm a mighty man here, but do you know how bad the Midianites are? The Lord says you've got to reduce it. You know, you know, we find comfort in numbers, don't we? We find safety in numbers, don't we? The more, the more we have in our bank account, we feel pretty secure. Numbers 
More numbers equal more security. More people, more momentum, more security. Less people, less momentum. Numbers, there's safety in it. But sometimes in God's economy, He reduces the number because He says addition can only happen through subtraction. Now, let me say this. It's interesting that God said to Gideon, reduce your number, but nowhere in this passage does the number of the enemy decrease. And let's not get too spiritual here. This is not the devil. The devil didn't speak to Gideon and say, reduce your number. God said, reduce the number. Sometimes reduction in your life is not spiritual forces coming against you. It's not the devil coming against you. It's God reducing you. Nowhere is the devil mentioned in this book. The devil's not mentioned. God is reducing them. Because he wants the glory in the end. Now, here, <laughs> Judges 7 verse 3, look at it. Now therefore, proclaim and hear the hearing of the people, saying, Judges 7 verse 3, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, so he's telling Gideon, Gideon, go back to the camp and tell them if they're afraid, let them go and depart at once. And 22,000 of them went home. So, he started with 32,000, and how many left? How many left? 22,000 people. He only had 10,000 left. That is a big reduction there, ladies and gentlemen. 10,000 left of your 32,000 army, and God says, Gideon, get up and tell the people if they're scared, tell them to go home. And all the scaredy cats went home. I'm going to just break it down to you. If we're ever going to do something for God in this city, we can't build a church upon a bunch of scaredy cats. we got to build a church upon people who are filled with faith. If you're, going to, if you're going to be fearful, just go home. Just, just go home. And that's what Gideon said. Just go home if you're fearful. If you're a scaredy cat, just go home. All right? And that's exactly what happened. They all, 22,000 of them went home. But I'm glad that God is raising up people who are not fearful. Pastor, uh, Brandon, give me my phone right there. Please. Right there. Should be on the, the counter there. Oh, yes. Let me read you a text message from a church member who demonstrated this principle this week. This, in, I uh, consulted this person before I... I'm going to read this to you. I wanted to get their permission and they said it was perfectly fine. And this is not to bring glory to them. This is to bring glory to God even in our weaknesses. This person sent me a text message this week and said, Pastor, I, I'm struggling. I'm going through a hard time. But I have decided that in my struggling that I, was, that I, was, I felt like I was slipping a little bit. And she said, since I was struggling and felt like I was slipping, she, these are her words, I've decided, quote, I've decided to do more for God than I've ever done, or going to do again. I've decided to do more for God than I have ever done before. My response was, oh wow, I'm proud of you. Why did I say that? Because most Christians, when they're discouraged, 
they do less. They give up on God. They isolate themselves. But this person got a revelation that if I'm in the battle, I'm not going to be fearful and let the enemy take from me. I'm going to be full of faith and do more for God than... This person went on... I read the next text. She went on to say, listen, I've been praying for you, Pastor. I know that your brother and your dad is addicted to meth. And since God delivered me, I know he's going to deliver them. I pray for Jeremy and Daryl every morning. And I am convinced that the same God that delivered me from meth is the same God that's going to deliver them from meth. I am... What? Hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, you know what I, why I'm reading this? Because this is the type of people that get something done. Not the people who sit with attitudes and discouraged and upset and run in their mouth, but it's people who are full of faith and fire and passion that I'm going to do more for God than just sit on a church pew. Amy Ash, where are you? Stand up, baby. Stand up. She gave over 600 flyers to the Galena, Galena days. Hold on, hold on. 600. She went and had a mate. She didn't even ask the church to make them. I got on Facebook and said, Amy, where, where did you get those things at? She sent a response and said, well, pastor, I ain't going to wait for nobody. I just did it myself. I was like, that, that right there is how you get something done. She said, so, by the way, Pastor, I ran out. Do you think you can make me 300 more? So I come up here yesterday on my day off because I was so excited that somebody decided to do something for Jesus than to sit down and, and lick their wounds all the time. That's what the church has become, a wound-licking fest. We all want to get together and lick our wounds about how who hurt who and what said this and why somebody didn't do this when people are going to hell and somebody needs to get up and say, I'm tired of the world going to hell. I want to do something for the gospel of Jesus. Hallelujah. So I just got in my office and did a little jig because she built my faith. She was speaking faith to me. If you want your situations to change, you're going to have to start changing your language and start speaking faith. Not everything you believe is true. And not everything you think is true. You've got to start speaking faith. You've got to start speaking words of faith. You've got to start seeing yourself as that mighty man of valor that God said. He began to speak faith into his fear and he rose up and destroyed the altars of Baal and went forth with 10,000 people to defeat the Midianites. It's interesting to me that God says, verse 4, you still have too many. Now, I read this and I said, what the heck? Verse 4, and the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. So 32,000 reduced to what? 10,000. And the Lord says, you still have what? He says, you still have too many. He says this, Go down to the water, and I'm going to test them there. Then it shall be of whom I say, This one shall go with you, and the same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, 
This one shall not go with you, and the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him apart to himself. And likewise, everyone who gets down on their knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men, but on the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord says, By the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and deliver you from the hands of the Midianites. So God says, You have too many. What I want you to do, I want you to go have a test. I want you to go down to the water, and I want these 10,000 men, I'm going to make a distinction between how they drink the water. Those who drink it like a dog, I want you to keep them. Those who drink it as they get on their knees, I want you to tell them to go home. Those who get down and lap it like a dog, the scripture says they cupped it or they put it in their hands, lapped it like a dog. The others got down, put their face in the water, and then sucked the water up. Basically, that's what happened. One got on their knees, put their face in the water, sucked the water up. The others cupped it in their hands, lapped it like a dog. Those who lap it like a dog, I want you to keep in the army. Those who get down on their knees, I want you to tell them to go home. You have lappers and you got suckers. He said, go tell all the suckers to go home. (laughs) And there are some people that will suck the life out of you. You don't need people that will suck the life out of you. Tell the suckers to go home. Why? Why the lappers? Because if you're putting your face in the water, you can't watch the enemy. You see your face in the reflection of the water. It's all about you. But those who lap it in their hands can lap it and watch. You know who you need in the army? You don't need people who are about themselves. You need people who can lap and be busy and watch and pray and... See what I'm saying? You got the, you got the lappers and you got the suckers. Those who know how to lap, those who know how to suck the water. And now, I, I'm not a mathematician, but 32,000 to 300, that's a 99.8% reduction. God reduced the army to 99%. Why? Because less is more. Addition is only through subtraction. (laughs) I love the Word of God. So God says, with 300 people, I'm almost done here. How many is with Pastor Josh? He says, everybody shout 300. He says, with 300, 300, I'm going to give you the victory 
from the Midianites. Now, what happens, this is the question, what happens when God reduces you? What happens? God usually, when He takes stuff away, He usually confirms it. Because you know what happens to Gideon? Gideon has 300 in his army. And God, after reducing it to 300, Gideon gets up one morning. He takes somebody with him. They go to a mountain. Gideon and his companion. As they go to the mountain, he overlooks the enemy, the Midianites, 135,000 of them. He sees camels that you can't hardly number. And the Bible says, and I'll read a, a verse here, the Bible says that Gideon overheard the enemy talking about the Israelites. Y'all hearing me? Look at that scripture there. The Bible says that they were as numerous as locusts. The Bible says they're as numerous as the seashore. I mean, this is a vast army. Verse number 13. And the Bible says in verse number 13, and Gideon had come. So Gideon's there at the, the, he's scanning the enemy. He's there looking at the enemy. And the Bible says, and Gideon had come, and there was a man telling a dream to his companion. So you see what's happening. Gideon is looking at the army. He's looking at the Midianites. He's standing there. He's listening to some of the enemy. The Bible says, and when Gideon had come, there was a man telling him a dream to his companion and said, I had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread trembled into the camp of the Midianites, and it came to the tent and it struck. And so they all fell overturned, and the tent of the meeting was collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the man of God of Israel. Into, into his hand, the Midianites will be delivered and the whole camp. Verse 15, and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and also the interpretation, he fell down and he worshiped. What happened? He returned to the camp of Israel and said, arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of the Midianites into our hands. What happened? When the Lord decreases the number, when God reduces the number, He will always send a confirmation to you that what you did was right. The confirmation only happened after the army was reduced. Sometimes we want confirmation before we're obedient. But confirmation only happens after obedience. Let me say that again. Confirmation only happens after obedience. Confirmation never happens before the obedient act. He it was confirmed. The God is going to give us the victory over the Midianites. 300 of them. We're going to go against an army of 135,000. But that's all right. I heard the enemy confirming the word that God was going to give us the victory. Kind of like David. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. God confirmed the word in the presence of the enemy. And so here Gideon 
goes back, he worships, he goes, tells the people, God is going to give us the victory. And right after that, the Bible says in Judges 7 verse 16, he begins to organize the army. He begins to put them in groups of a hundred. He only had 300. You see, because when God gets ready to do something in your life, he brings alignment to your life. He brings order to your life. And God was beginning to bring order to the camp of the Israelites. He began to put them in order. Because listen, even though they were small, they were still organized. Even though they were small, they were still put together. You can be small and organized and powerful. And you can be small and disorganized. But here is this man who understood leadership strategy. And he began to put them in order. He began to align things into order because he knew that God was going to give him the victory. You see, you see Gideon's position, don't you? His position was, there is this vast army and I have a small army. That was his position. Up against the wall, you see Gideon's power. What was his power? His power was found in his weakness. He reduced the army. God's power is always released in our weakness. God's power is always, always released in the reduction of things, not the addition of things. His power is made manifested when we have the least so that he would get the glory. You see Gideon's position. You see Gideon's power. You see Gideon's promise. His promise was that victory was going to be given to him. So here are 300 of the Israelites getting ready to go to battle. And the Bible says in verse number 16 of Judges 7, verse 16, the Bible says he divided them. And then what did he, what did he do? He gave them a trumpet. He gave them an empty pitcher. And he gave them a torch. Now why? Because God was reducing them. Normally when you went into battle, you had a sword, you had a shield, and you had the Levites with their musical instruments. You remember the story of Jehoshaphat. They, when they went into battle, he had the Levites and the worshipers go before him and they sung and they played. That was a common theme in the Old Testament. When the Israelites would go to battle, they had musical instruments. But God was saying, in this battle, I am going to get all the praise and all the glory. Your shield is not going to get the glory. Your sword is not going to get the glory. Those people worshiping is not going to get the glory. The only person that's going to get the glory out of this story is myself. I'm going to get the glory. And I'm going to reduce your weaponry to a trumpet, to an empty pitcher, and to a torch. Not a sword, not a shield, and not musical instruments. You know what happened? Gideon organized 300 men. And Gideon said at the sound of the trumpet, I want you to go forth to the Midianites. The Bible says that at the sound of the trumpet, they went forth and they started to blow the trumpet, crash the pitchers, and hold the torch. And what happened? The enemy begin to turn on themselves and they killed themselves. They blew the trumpet. 300 of them the Lord sent. And every man in the Midianite army turned on itself in confusion 
and killed themselves. Very simple. God could have done that with 32,000. He could have had 32,000 men with torches and pitchers and trumpets. He could have done it. He could have done it with 100,000 Israelites. But that wasn't the point. The point was this. Gideon is my man, and I'm trying to teach Gideon a lesson here. And the lesson is this. It doesn't matter who is with you, and it doesn't matter who's against you. It doesn't matter how strong your weaponry is. It doesn't matter how your resume is or how, how lengthy your educational background is. It has nothing to do with that. What victory? The victory has everything to do with obedience. And when you're obedient to my call, no matter how ridiculous it is, I'm going to make sure you get the victory in the face of the enemy. So success, success wasn't by numbers. Elevation happened by reduction. He added victory by subtraction. He built something by taking away something. See, that's how God works. We, we, we want to praise God for all the things He's added. Sometimes it's God's plan to take. And we have to trust. We have to trust Him. Let me challenge your thinking, what is God trying to take out of your life that you've been fighting? You've been holding on to. What is God saying? Maybe there's a relationship you need to cut off. Maybe there are some things you need to cut out of your life. Maybe there are some things you need to reduce in your life. And you think by having this and this and this, and by you doing this and doing that, you're going to get the victory. God is saying less is more. Sometimes God reduces the things out of your life so that you can walk in victory. He's calling you to be not a fearful man, but a faith-filled man who is proactive. Gideon was proactive. He destroyed the altars of Baal. He was proactive to go and to heed the voice of the Lord after his fear was dealt with. God knew that Gideon couldn't go on the mission field being fearful. He dealt with his fear first. Spoke faith into him. He became proactive and went forth in the voice of God. You see, this principle is demonstrated in closing in this Scripture. One of the most profound Scriptures in the New Testament that I think is so, so applicable to our lives today. The Bible says, he'll put it behind me, Matthew chapter 3, in verse number 16. Matthew 3, 16, look at this. This is what I want to close with. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. The Bible says in verse number 17, and suddenly there came a voice from heaven this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Why is this important? This is important because Jesus heard the words of affirmation from His Father at the beginning of His ministry. Because right after this, the Pharisees and the Sadducees condemned Him, called Him a devil, they crucified Him, people came against Him, Judas betrayed him. 
Peter denied him. One tragedy after a tragedy. People coming against him, especially the religious leaders. And God knew that at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus had to hear the voice from his Father that he was well pleased with him. And likewise, if you're going to make it in life, you first got to hear the words of the Father about your life. You got to find your identity in Him. We try to find our identity later. Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. We're together. There's a oneness here. The Father, of course, spoke those words because He wanted everybody else to hear it. But you see the principle in this matter that in your life, you've got to hear those words first. And it doesn't matter what people say or what people do after that because your identity is found and this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm pleased with you, Jesus. It doesn't matter if the religious leaders are not pleased. It doesn't matter what they say. Your security is found in knowing that I am pleased with you first. See that? So what is the word of the Lord today? The word of the Lord is God works by reduction. God works by subtraction. Why? So that He would get the glory and His power would be made manifested through your weakness. And when it's all said and done, nobody will get the glory but God Himself. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord?